are the Attic Aficionado, and I am your basement buddies. Hear ye, hear ye, all gather to hear Master Joe. From this point forward, we are going to call them Bridgewaters. Detroit is a dumpster fire. Philadelphia's a dumpster fire. Doug Peterson is not a good coach. Nobody cares about fantasy, Sean. Nobody. Washington is the team that beats Pittsburgh. They won the game they needed to win. Greg Williams should never step foot in an NFL locker room. You good? You got it all up? Juju Smith-Schuster being knocked back into the TikTok world. Grow and grow and grow. It's reps and reps and reps. Aha, aha, aha. Just throw and throw and throw and throw. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense. And we don't recognize boundaries in 2020. That has to make you happy as a Buffalo fan. I'm all, leave me alone. This is the best. Because he's not a quarterback, so does those still count as QB hits? Sorry. We love you guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with a Z. Don't forget to come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms all around the world. I'm Joe McDonald, and this evening I'm joined as I have been for, God, it feels like eons now, but it's only been a couple months. Mr. Sean Lawler, how long has it felt for you? Oh, uh, I don't know, a, a year or so because of the pandemic. So this is like halfway through the pandemic. So the pandemic's felt like two years, so a year for this. <laughs> That, that, that makes sense. I'm not sure of the logic, but in the space-time continuum, that, that seems to fit. Uh, we're here to talk about all things sports, but tonight is a mainly football-centric post, as the NFL is the king of all sports that we know in at least the Western Hemisphere. We don't worry about everything over in England and India and things of that sort, although we do love our Indian listeners. Uh, cricket is very big over there, but we're, we're dealing with football Lots of news to get into tonight. Sean and I are going to give you our all-pro selections, but with a little bit of twist. Uh, We're going to pick some of our favorite positioning groups that we think in the NFL. Also, we're going to talk about a little bit of good news for Ron Rivera. Um, uh, Some really not good news coming out of Seattle. And, of course, Deshaun Watson. Sean, that's where I want to start tonight. Deshaun Watson. The Texans, first off have completed the hiring process of Ravens passing game coordinator, assistant head coach, I think he was also. You love that term. Uh, David Culley, he is the new head coach of the Texans. But the biggest news on the day that should be happy for Coach Culley is Deshaun Watson, apparently a couple weeks ago, asked for, nay, demanded a trade from Houston. So Coach Culley does not seem to make a difference. Sean, what what are your just uh, thoughts whenever you heard the news that he, as a matter of fact, did ask for a trade and is demanding a trade right now? I support him. <clears throat> it's his right. The team hasn't treated him right. The team's done a piss poor job in the way they've handled it ever since they took on this stupid ass chaplain. Um, he like he wanted a good, competent coach. I have no disrespect for David Culley. He started coaching before I was even born. He's been around forever. Um, I, I'm sure he'll do a fine job. I think the McNairs did this as kind of a, oh, you want us to hire a minority coach? We'll hire a minority coach. Uh, one that none of you were thinking of would get hired. And if he does poorly, it's hurrah for us. Yeah, I posted something in a sports group I'm in outside of the Ringer NFL. I know that's shocking. I'm in other groups. 
basically along the lines of we talk about wanting minority hires and then we pick our one or two or couple people. We're like, oh yeah, Robert Saleh, he's a defensive coordinator for the Giant or for the 49ers, and he's really, really good, so he should get a head coaching job. And then when he gets one, we're all like, Yay, Robert Saleh got a job. And then we'd say, Okay, Eric the Enemy is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are really good on offense, so he should get a job. And then when he doesn't get one, we scream and boo and, and tear it apart. And then we rip apart somebody like David Culley, who, yes, the Ravens finished last in passing offense this year. So insert your own jokes there. But it's like, okay, do you just do you want minority hires or do you want minority hires of people you like? And that gets into a whole other delicate situation. And it's honestly a question that a lot of people don't want to ask and don't want to answer. So so I agree with you that, I mean, he has every right to ask for a trade. I do just find it hilarious when these guys are in terrible situations and they sign a big money deal and then like a year into the deal or sometimes before the deal ever starts they're like uh i need to get out of here and it's like well i mean the owner didn't die and then his you know son from an, uh, another marriage who has nothing to do with football took over like Cal McNair was the owner of the Texans, and whether he was lied to or not, I'm sure Deshaun Watson was lied to, obviously, according to reports. But you knew that this was a kind of crappy situation, and you still went ahead with it, which is fine. I'm not on the side of ownership, but sometimes I just think players, they just need to take a step back and be like, listen, do I absolutely need this money right now, or can I wait, make sure this is the place I want to be, and then sign the big money deal? Because teams will find money to sign players. Yeah, um, you had mentioned to me about Adam Schefter. What did you think about his tweet? Uh, this is the leverage Houston has, outside of the obvious fact that Deshaun Watson is under contract. He can be fined $95,877 for missing mini camps, and they can fine him $50,000 per day for each day of training camp missed, plus one week salary which is about $620,000 for him for each preseason game missed. And if for whatever reason, Deshaun Watson decided that he was going to retire, the Texans can go try and collect the $21.6 million from Deshaun Watson. So uh, again, I do think Houston is going to try and hold on to him. Anytime that players, most of the time when players are fine for sitting out, you know, mini camp or, or training camp. Once a situation happens, it's usually with the franchise tag and they sign it. They kind of wipe away the fines. They say, okay, never mind. They they keep a cumulative tab. And then at the end of it, they say, well, you came, so let bygones be bygones and it's all over. I just, I don't, I don't know what Houston does. They need draft capital, but they need a quarterback. And Deshaun Watson with a mediocre team around him is proven to be a guy who can still put up good numbers, has a respect around the league from a lot of other players and coaches and respect from the players in his locker room. We saw JJ Watt talk to him after that final game and basically apologize for wasting a a year of his career. So I don't know what happens, but Sean, my question to you is give me a percentage. What's the chance that Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans Game one, 2021. 10%. Yeah, I was going to go about 15. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... It just, I want to go zero, but I can't say zero. Yeah. I, yeah. 
Yeah, so I no, I agree I, with you there. <laughs> I don't. I absolutely don't think Houston can do these things. I think if they implemented these leverages that Adam Schefter talks about, the league would go into a lockdown because the players would absolutely revolt. Yeah, including in that locker room. Yeah, I like J- JJ Watt may body slam somebody uh, yeah. <laughs> like a McNair. <laughs> wearing a red white and blue shirt while he does it but still he'll do it It, it's i mean oh this is crazy we've talked about deshaun watson almost as much as we've talked about the cowboys this season which is just depressing on both ends so before we move on to our next topic i want to ask you one was right here who should go get him and what should they offer give me your trade right now We've talked about trades before. Has it changed to you? There's rumors that Carolina is going to go in heavy on him. Of course, San Francisco is always an option. The Jets, they have two first-round picks. They can offer stuff. Who who makes that godfather offer? Because that's what it's going to take. This isn't Matt Stafford. This isn't. This is Deshaun Watson. I think realistically, Carolina can get this done and should get it done. Mm-hmm. The new owner and GM seem to be all about actually spending money mm-hmm. um, and not being slave owners. But um, the one that I want to throw that I think would be really interesting is Minnesota. Trade Kirk Cousins. Houston gets the, a quarterback because they do need a quarterback. You're right. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of the Bills picks. That they okay. got a second, like a first in a second round with Kirk Cousins. Oh, you're gonna need it. You gotta give me at least another first. So two first. So our like Minnesota's first, Bills first, and a second rounder. Because they st- they have the Bills first again, right? Uh, no, 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 they don't. They have a second no, rounder. Yeah. So it'd be Bills second rounder, Minnesota's first this year. And Minnesota's first next year, or you stagger the years, go three years in a row, one to one. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I. I don't know if they'll want to stagger. That's a long way out. I mean, I agree. I I, I don't. Um, I honestly don't think you quabble over the picks. I think Minnesota just goes, "How many is it going to get to get it done?" You get no, Kirk no, Cousins, yeah. who's competent, and we'll give you four draft picks, whatever. Like, give us Deshaun Watson. We have Justin Jefferson. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. No, you're right. Uh, I was a little taken aback by the fact that you said Kirk Cousins was competent. I just I, I hadn't heard that in a while, and well, I, I, thought, I think people in the league think he is, and obviously Minnesota uh, will frame it as that. Listen, don't even get me started on Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. That's I, I mm, that that extension they signed was terrible. It was terrible at the time. It's terrible now. I just, it's really, really, really bad. That's not terrible. I like the idea of him playing in Minnesota. It makes a lot of sense. Kirk Cousins is actually not a free agent until 2023. In 2021, if you, oh God, they are so dumb. Uh, if they were to, the, the dead money, uh, if they were to cut him, it's $41 million. Whew. Yeah, you get off that. Deshaun's is probably way better. Yeah. Well, no, but that's the cap hit they'll take in 2021. Yeah. If they trade or cut Kirk Cousins, Minnesota, he still counts $41 million in dead money. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. His cap number this year is 31 million. But between the 31 million cap number and the prorated bonus, it's $41 million. So, uh, yeah, that's not happening. I don't, I don't, I clearly, I don't understand how the salary cap works. It's, it's the way the money and the proration and stuff like that. It's just, but you're it's training. ridiculous. Like I can understand if you like, don't, if you drop them, release them, but you're trading them. Why would he count? Because of the way the contract was structured. It prevents, basically it prevents teams from like signing a big money deal, a guy you know, goes and gets a DUI or whatever, and you cut him immediately and there's no repercussions. They don't want, and, and even less egregious stuff than that. But basically. But yeah, I understand that. But if you're trading him for another player, why would it count no. as dead money? Is it because they of like getting away from, they might have to pay him later or if they paid the money up front. I am honestly not sure because next year his guaranteed salary is zero. He is a $35 million base salary, but if they cut him next year, they'll actually save $35 million, and the dead money will be 10 hmm. So it kind of doesn't invert. So, again, he's not going to Minnesota, but I do like the thought of him going to Minnesota, but it's just not going to happen. If the NFL worked like the NBA. <laughs> it would happen, yes, but it does not work like the NBA, as we've talked about. I... Again, the Carolina news came down today that they're going to be, you know, basically a full court press to use a basketball term, trying to get Deshaun Watson. I think they have the eighth pick in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I I could see them making a deal. I still stick with my original pick of of San Francisco. I just think it makes too much sense. San Francisco needs to go all in while they can, and I think this is an all in move. You give up a couple first-rounders, give up a second. If you have to, you give up a player, maybe a defensive lineman, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever. Again, the Minnesota principle, whatever it takes. You just make that deal. So I'm going to stick with San Francisco. You say Minnesota. I'm going to give you a— I say Carolina because apparently is not going to happen. Okay. (laughs) So so Mr. Sean is going to stick with Carolina as his pick. That's fair. Uh, We could talk about the Sean Watson all night, but we don't want to talk about the Sean Watson all night. Probably next week we'll be talking about it. Yeah, probably next week we'll be talking about the Sean Watson, yes, once he's traded to the New England Patriots. Um, the The next bit of news in the NFL is just a tad bit more somber. Um. Sean, I'm going to let you lead into this one. So the Seattle Seahawks have parted ways with lineman Chad Wheeler. There was a domestic violence assault charge against him regarding a situation he had with a woman. I'm not going to get into exactly what happened. You can look it up. Just look up Chad Wheeler and yeah, it'll be it'll right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but it's just the way it's been covered is it's they're calling it a mental health um, situation yeah. uh, episode is what they're calling it and framing it as. And I think it's kind of a double standard the way it's covered by the media and the way the NFL handles it versus other players that are in the league. And I think we're, we need to come to grips with the violence of the NFL in 
the inherent violence that seems to be a problem with things that happen. And it's something we've seen in the wrestling, like the professional wrestling, because of all those concussions. You hear about what happened with Junior Seau and that. And that's how I've been from what I've been looking into it. Obviously, the coverage of it is its own thing, but I've now kind of switched over probably since we talked about it to just how it's covered and what the NFL, the liability the NFL is willing to take in this and kind of the washing of the hands that they do with it and brush it under as a mental health episode. And it's like, yeah, it probably was a mental health episode because he played football Mm -hmm. and had bashed his head in. And people had mentioned the players that are playing in the Super Bowl that have had different things like this. And I and a lot of times with those ones, they say it's about the upbringing and everything like that. And it's like, I, I think it's the same situation. It's they've been playing football their whole lives and they're around a violent sport. And we need to reckon with that as fans of that sport and how we talk about it and treat it. What about uh, yourself when you heard the news? Um, I was disgusted, as as I'm sure a lot of people were. I didn't realize at first that there were um, videos, or not videos, there were pictures. Oh, wow, I haven't seen those. No thanks. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's it's pretty bad. It's, uh, yeah, not good. It, she definitely got, um, definitely got beat up. Not that it was in question, but something definitely happened. I'm all for mental health, mental, uh, mental health, mental health awareness, things of that sort. Myself, I've struggled with it. Uh, being a manic depressive, I understand what it can be like at times. I'm not medicated or anything of that sort. But he did issue an apology today on Twitter. We're recording this Thursday night, 9:20 on the Eastern uh, Seaboard here. It's always convenient that these happen at home they don't happen at the practice facility they don't happen during a game they always happen when they seem to be around women they always happen to you know things of that sort and i'm not dismissing that he has serious issues i'm sure he does the nfl is a billion dollar business each team is essentially a hundred millions of dollars business if not billion dollar business yeah. for teams like the cowboys yeah. they have Every service, there's never a reason for a player to get a DUI, they have car service. There's never a reason for a guy not to be seen, they have lots of doctors and lots of work. Like, there's nothing that an NFL player desires that they cannot have access to. If this man, and I say that lightly, was having a manic episode and something happened, that does not excuse him from not then contacting authorities himself. Hey. Something happened. I hurt her. I I need you to come. Like everything's calm now, but you need to come. There is a there are moments of clarity. There are times where you realize what's happened. It didn't seem to happen in this case. So while I'm I'm very supportive of getting mental health awareness, that does not excuse you from what happened. If you took a prescribed medicine and got in a car and drove, and it said don't drive and you killed somebody, you still pay the price. You didn't break any laws. Like, you didn't, you know, you didn't get drunk. You didn't mow the person down, but you were reckless. And you still have to suffer the consequences. He should absolutely be brought up on charges. 
he should absolutely be punished for whatever the law deems necessary. Now, will it happen? <sighs> I don't know. But we've seen instances and some really tragic, sad instances. Um, I stress you to go look up the Javon Belcher situation many years ago with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he killed his girlfriend in front of their young child, drove to the Chiefs facility, and actually Scott Pioli and Romeo Cornell went out to talk to him because he called ahead and said that he was going to kill himself, and he shot himself in front of both of them. Romeo Cornell to this day hardly ever talks about it. Um, it was very, very, very tragic. And you can talk about CTE, you can talk about headshots, you can talk about all this stuff. I don't know. But I do know that there is help available. And if this guy is saying, well, I had a manic episode. Cool. What prescriptions are you on to manage your manic episodes? Oh, you're not on any? Why not? If you know you have manic episodes, you should probably see a doctor. You have teen doctors. Are you ashamed to go talk to the teen doctors? Maybe you are. Then go talk to somebody privately. Like, at some point, it gets to the situation where it's like, listen, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but what you did is absolutely disgusting, and I'm not really going to defend you on this. If it comes out and she says, listen, this happened, whatever, he had a few drinks, he has manic, he, it mixed with his medicine, and all this, it doesn't seem to be that situation. And even then, you still got to pay. So, again, when I saw this, I was just, I, I was just disgusted. It mm -hmm. made me think of Greg Hardy, it made me think mm -hmm. of all these situations and all these stories, and I cannot imagine what these women go through when mm -hmm. they're, they're fearful for their lives. These guys are, literally their job is to be in the top peak physical condition and hurt other people so what the hell do you think they're going to do to them mm -hmm. yeah and, i remember seeing the program when i was younger and Lattimore in that movie yeah just like they that was like eye-opening i thought it was like way ahead of its time and just absolutely necessary for the things that happen like the way they cover those up and don't hold them responsible exactly and right. and the ray rice situation we knew what happened people cared a little and then we saw the video, and everybody cared. And mm -hmm. so pictures and videos are always going to make a difference. And this was just – I've I debated whether we were going to talk about it tonight or not, but it was just absolutely disgusting. I hope the league washes their hands of him. If he needs help, I hope he goes and finds help, whether that be in prison forever, how long he's in there, or out, or whatever. But I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt on this. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Like, it's just not going to happen for me. Yeah, I think the league should be responsible because I think basically the whole football industry in America needs to be held accountable because of the way this just happens. They mm -hmm. get covered up all through their lives and then things like this happen and then the league's like, well, we, we don't condone that. And it's like uh, nobody was not condoning it when he was making millions for colleges and different things like that. Like. Now, all of a sudden, he has to pay, and no one's yeah. going to help him. So it's, it's absolutely disgusting what he did. Okay. I, like, they just if you clean this up earlier in life, these we're not going to have these problems. These women aren't going to be fearful for their lives. It starts early. Yep. And also, the military is going through this reckoning right now with sexual assault. It's been going on for a while, but now there's even more reports that it's bad. It's superior <laughs> officers. It's people way up higher on the food chain than just some privates or sergeants you know overseas or in training and stuff like this and uh we've seen it happen with the church 
the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. We've seen we're seeing it happen in the military, and it is only a matter of time. We've seen it a little bit on college campuses, the Baylor situation from some years back, uh, Colorado further back, and it it's it, there's a reckoning, and it's coming, and we'll be there to support people who ask for help, but don't push me off the ledge and then call for unity. Like that's that's what this is. This is like, mm-hmm. well, I did something really bad, and I didn't do anything to rectify the situation, but. It's kind of not my fault. And it's like, eh, okay, you can think that, but maybe don't say it out loud. So, Sean, any final thoughts on that? No. No, I'm just, you know. Yeah. I can't wait for the day when this stuff doesn't happen, but it's probably no. not going to stop until a woman's in charge. Yeah, even then, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, let's move on to some happy news. It's happy time. Washington football team coach, you know, my favorite football team, Ron Rivera got great news today. He is cancer-free. Coach Rivera coached the season while receiving cancer treatment for much of the season, uh, getting IVs at halftime, missing practice, things of that sort. Uh, He's cancer-free. That is amazing news. It is so good to hear. Uh, He's done great work with the Wounded Warrior Project, traveling overseas through the military. Uh, He is one of the few minority coaches in the NFL, and just just awesome news and with a lot of stuff going on including the last topic we talked about it was just great to see that today sean what was your thoughts when uh the team's coach got the positive diagnosis i was like let's ring the bell and pull up a table it's bill's mafia style it that's right (laughs) that's right if he was in buffalo man he'd be through five tables today it was it was so good to hear um there's so many people fighting lots of stuff including cancer obviously and any bit of good news and uh ray of sunshine is awesome 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 to hear so i uh, just wanted to bring that up uh since i i rooted for washington this year despite their owner i was glad to see coach rivera get some good news and uh look forward to the seeing him next year on the sidelines um all right it is time to get into our all pro selections for this year so like i said we're doing a little bit different we have a couple different categories. We're going to do quarterback, running back, but the running back can be a team award, a running back stable. Uh, we're going to include skill positions, wide receivers slash tight ends, the offensive line, the defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, and then close it off with special teams. Sean, this was your idea, so I'm going to let you go ahead first. So, who is your all-pro quarterback? And I think I have a feeling I know who yours is. Yeah, you do. It's Josh Allen, baby. It's Josh Allen. Oh. I loved him. If I'm if I'm picking my all-pro, if I'm starting a fantasy team, I want Josh Allen at the helm, quarterbacking. That you know, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. Yada yada yada. But his his nonchalance in the regular season was a little. You know, left a sour taste in my mouth. Josh Allen left it all on the field every single time he was on the field. Sometimes mm-hmm. that was the ball. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes that was a bad, a bad dive. But <laughs> it was, it was there. He he gave his heart. He did everything I could ask for. He brought hope to Buffalo. He didn't have a great game but we'll make this a regular season thing 
<laughs> that this is a regular season thing, okay? That's yeah. fine. That's well, fine. And it's you know he turned it around. He had a couple bad losses here, but he when he needed to step up, you know that Arizona game. Everybody f- remembers the Hale Murray. Mm-hmm. We all for, non-Buffalo fans, and probably you also remember it, mm-hmm. but his drive to give them the lead yeah. to cause the Hale Murray. It was incredible. That that touchdown pass was, was fantastic to Diggs. I thought it was one of the throws of the year. <laughs> and then it got eclipsed by a 50-yard running to my left in in between three defenders throw. No. That that's that that's happened sometimes. Uh, we'll move on to my my quarterback is who I believe is going to be the league MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was incredible. He just uh, don't take the <laughs> NFC Championship game into consideration. But during this is a regular season award as you talked about. Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the league this year. I mean, mm-hmm. just hands down. And it to me, it's an easy solution. And you could say, well, Mahomes is yeah, Mahomes is better, but. He didn't play the last couple weeks or played sparingly. So you play and you get the title. So Aaron Rodgers played and gets the title. He's my all pro quarterback. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. We'll get to why I think he is later. Okay. Uh, Sean running backs, the running back crew that you would ride, uh, ride into the sunset with. This one was more a gut feeling. And then I looked into the stats, and it wasn't as great as I thought it was. But I still went with it, and I stuck to it. I could I couldn't choose Tennessee because you get Derrick Henry, but you get nothing else. So mm-hmm. if Derrick Henry was to go down, you know that's tough. Um, mm-hmm. So I went with Cleveland. Okay. I thought I had two thousand yard rushers, but apparently Kareem Hunt didn't want to get a thousand yards those last few weeks. But he you still played. With. <laughs> he played amazing in the four games that Chubb missed, and Chubb mm-hmm. still got over a thousand yards in only yeah. playing twelve games. So mm-hmm. I get Bradley Chubb, I get Kareem Hunt, who had some great passes out of the backfield because that's where he added the yards that he didn't get to a thousand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a formidable backfield. Yeah, it is. That that makes perfect sense. That's fine. And that would have been my pick if you hadn't stole it from me, you snaky <laughs> son of a bitch. But I went ahead, and you know what? You got two guys, and they still didn't equal my guy. It's the Titans. It's Derrick Henry. I don't care if you don't. You know who the second leading scorer was in uh, Wilt Chamberlain's hundred point game is? Nobody cares. He scored a hundred points. Derrick Henry ran for two thousand yards. I don't care who his backup is. He was the best running back in football this year. Of course I'm going to pick him as my all-pro, and I'll pick the Titans. It's like, do you think every player on Alabama deserves a championship ring? No! But you know what? They're going to get one. So, guess what? Congratulations, backups for the Titans. Derrick Henry got you a a Joe McDonald all-pro vote on the Out of Bounds podcast. So, that's who I'm going with. That's so good. I love that analogy. <laughs> All right, moving on to our skill position players. Sean, who do you have for your wide receiver slash tight end combo? Honestly, it was a no-brainer. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. 
because you get the best H back in the league. You get three of the five fastest guys in the league. <laughs> and then you don't even need to play Watkins because it was hilarious. Before the Bills, ga- or Bills game, they're like, oh, Watkins isn't going to play it. I'm like, who cares? Hardman, Robinson. <laughs> like, You're like, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> insert fast guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Travis Kelsey just 10 yard, 10 yard button hook. I'm wide open. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love. <clears throat> excuse me, that you're sticking with uh, him as a H-back. I love the no tight end thing. That's that's great. All right. <laughs> Mine's going to be a little surprising, but I want you to hear me out. Mine is the Minnesota Vikings. And you're going to laugh. You're going to say, wait, what? No. Okay, for, first off, Kirk Cousins was the quarterback. So yeah, yeah. you get, like, you get a difficulty bonus. You know, kind of like when you take advanced classes in high school – and they give you like 1.2 instead of one, you know, for each point. That's what the offense for the Minnesota Vikings had to deal with. But I'll tell you what, as a New England Patriots fan, I would kill to have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith at tight end, Kyle Rudolph at the other tight end. BB was uh, a player that, you know, who caught 20 balls this year. I mean, that's a really, really good offense. And yeah, they're not as high-flying as the Chiefs. Of course I could pick the Chiefs. Of course I could pick Tampa Bay. But you know what? I grade on a curve. And the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins are a bad team. So guess what? For Dalvin Cook to put up 1,500 yards is good. For Jefferson to have 88 catches for 1,400 yards is good. Thielen, 74 catches for 925 yards and 14 touchdowns, and he missed a game, is good. So, again, with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, I'm grading on a curve. My all-pro squad is the Minnesota Vikings. I love it. Yeah, it's you're exactly right. I drafted Justin Jefferson in the Fantasy League. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we are far beyond fantasy. What? Sean, do I have to do it? Are you yes. going to make me pull it out of the closet? Nobody cares about fantasy, Sean. Nobody. Good. Uh, so, I'm so disappointed in you, young man. All right, we need to move on. Offensive line. Now, this is the entire offensive line. Who is your all-pro squad? We said we'd get to why Aaron Rodgers was the best QB and potentially MVP. It's his offensive line. They were absolutely phenomenal. He had the best uh, center. Bakhtiari was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Elkton Jenkins played left guard, center, left tackle, and right tackle this year. They were injuries were killing them all over the line, and he was stepping in and taking taking advantage. And Aaron Rodgers had an MVP season. Aaron Jones had an had an All Star season, Pro Bowl, I guess they're called in the NFL. Yep. And that front line is the reason. That's fair enough, and I think a lot of people would agree with you. You people would be wrong, but they'd agree with you. <laughs> My offensive line is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you talked about it. They had 
outside of Derrick Henry, probably the most feared offensive uh, rushing attack in the league. Maybe Baltimore could argue with that, too, if you include Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield did better this year because he had a cleaner pocket. From left to right, you had rookie Jedrick Wills Jr., Joel Batonio, center J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. That's a good offensive line. And they played really well. And they were beat up throughout the year. You know, Batonio missed some time. Wills missed some time. I believe Wyatt Teller may have missed some time. I mean, again, they were beat up throughout the season. But they were really, really good. And that's who I pick. It's it's easy when you have Aaron Rodgers back there. Again, a grade on a curve. It's a little bit harder when you got Baker Mayfield back there. So the fact that they were able to run the ball when teams knew they were going to run the ball and still be able to push people around, I'm giving it to the Cleveland Browns. Congratulations. You may have gotten knocked out of playoffs, but you got an all-pro. PFF agrees with you. Oh, well, never mind. I'm changing my vote. <laughs> what the hell? I, I don't listen to Sneak analytics. <laughs> I don't listen to analytics. What the hell? I'm really upset now. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Moving on. Defensive line. I have a feeling I know what you're going to pick, and I'm going to hate you for it. Who's your defensive line, Sean? Well, you could go to the same if you want. No, no, no. You go right ahead. All right. I, well, I'll take them then. I, I will take the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Because that line was amazing. <laughs> they made the playoffs. <laughs> like when they had a guy who had like no shins mm-hmm. playing quarterback and Dwayne Haskins back there and Taylor Heineke. Was it Heineke? Yes. Heineke playing quarterback and, you know, they did not too bad against Tom Brady. They couldn't get to Tom Brady. So that was unfortunate Mm -hmm. but chase young and montez sweat and jonathan allen and darren Payne, like yeah i'll take that and apparently get ryan kerrigan as a backup yeah i'll take that i listen i will too just not this time because i don't want to be a copycat my all pro defensive line again grading on a curve it's the new orleans saints Uh, The Saints' defense in the middle of the season was playing as good, if not better, than any other defense in the league. Cam Jordan at defensive end. Trey Hendrickson at the other defensive end position. Marcus Davenport rotating in there. Uh, Sheldon Rankins at D-tackle. Malcolm Brown. uh, David Onyemata. They they were getting after teams. They were unstoppable for about a four- or five-week period in the middle of the season there. And they never really fell apart. I mean, they still got pressure. They just weren't able to clean up the plays at the end. But, man, they were really good this year. And I love Chase Young. You know that. I I was as big of a fan of the football team's defensive line as anybody. But I I think the Saints played really, really well. Mm -hmm. So they're going to get my all-pro vote. And you don't think of defense when you think of the Saints. No, no. It was the exact opposite this year versus when Breeze was actually a could throw. Yeah. No, totally agree. Uh, let's move on to the linebackers. I think we're going to have agreement on this one, too. Who do you have as your all-pro squad for the linebacker position? I got to take Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I absolutely have to. I was, you know, I love Vita Vea, and Indomit and Sue can play, you know, whatever differences there. But JPP stepping out off the, out of the three-point stance. 
mm-hmm. Devin White, Levante David, my boy, Shaq Barrett. I had him in a fantasy league last year because we played defensive players. Oh, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're damn right I got a second fantasy quote in there. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> but it was just like, those four, I love playing a 3-4 in Madden. Those mm-hmm. four, yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Oh, man, you're killing me. I don't even have much to add. I mean, mine was also Tampa. I almost went with Pittsburgh just because they consider TJ Watt an outside linebacker in that 3-4 scheme. And they did have some other injuries. If they hadn't have been injured and had so many issues, I probably would have went Pittsburgh. But, I mean, Devin White has been just incredible. So I'm not going to argue with that. Everything you said is correct. I don't need to go all in and talk about how great Tampa is. They're in the Super Bowl. Big part of it is, is the linebacking core. So I completely agree. You're absolutely right, Sean. Yeah, Isn't once that, I saw JPP was considered a linebacker, I was like, yeah, it's that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, in those in those three four schemes, they yeah, that's what they consider. All right, let's move on to our next one: the cornerbacks, defensive backs, the whole backfield, the the, the back seven, as they say. Uh, who's your all pro squad, Sean? I you know, upon initial thought, you would think Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but I had to go with Miami. The way they finished the season, I think they finished almost every game with a takeaway. Or they had, you know, they were top five for t- for interceptions in the league. They faced more passes than any of the other teams at that. The passer, the distance of pass was longer because they didn't have a good front four. Mm-hmm. So Pittsburgh's looking good statistically but you got tj watt <laughs> you got that front seven <laughs> like it's yep. that's not even it's not apples to apples and their schedule was trash mm-hmm. miami had to play buffalo twice new england twice they had Can't to play the nf the N- yeah the nfc west and the afc west like they played a good schedule so mm-hmm. that the way they were gelling at the end of the season like, I don't know if it'll be there next year because, you know, money-wise, but Xavier Howard, phenomenal. Byron Jones, great pickup. Eric Rose looking good. Bobby McCain's looking good. I think they're set up for the future on there. They'll lose a couple guys, but mm-hmm. they got, they're they going to do well. Totally agree. I mean, I picked Xavier Howard as my defensive player of the year. He was absolutely incredible. So Miami makes a lot of sense. You're absolutely right. Uh, I'm also going to pick an AFC East team, but it is not going to be the Miami Dolphins. I'm actually going to select the New England Patriots here. Uh, Despite having a bad year, Stephon Gilmore made the Pro Bowl. J.C. Jackson was second in the league in interceptions. Uh, They were eighth in total defense, seventh in pass defense. And you think, like, boy, that doesn't seem right. And it's like, yeah, they still, despite having a a drop down from Gilmore and him being out for a period of time and having some other injuries, they were still pretty good. Uh, again, Adrian Phillips coming over from the the Chargers was eye-opening, playing that box safety position. Devin McCourty, still a, a really good player in the league. Jonathan Jones, maybe the best slot corner in football. Uh, Kyle Duggar, the rookie, came on towards the end of the year. Jason McCourty is a starter on most other teams, and sometimes this is for New England. He was in there rotating in and out also. I, I just think that their depth now, again, I could see a drop-off next year. 
Gilmore's probably going to be gone, but we're not talking about next year. We're talking about this year. And I just think they were really underrated part of that team. Again, the team went seven and nine. They were missed the playoffs. The things were expected of them and they do not have a very good front four at all. Uh, Linebackers were weak. Really their front seven is weak. So, but I really like their defensive uh, depth this year in in the back end, at least even with uh, Patrick Chung sitting out and Deron Harmon being traded away before the season. So I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. It's a good thing I erased the tapes of me saying they don't have a good secondary. Uh, they're still out there somewhere, Sean. I'll find them. <laughs> I just removed like, it from the intro. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Like like my like my um, Earl Thomas take. It's out there somewhere. We just got to find it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Our last position grouping, position grouping is special teams. So, Sean, who are your all-pro special teams unit? You would think it, it this would be a homer pick, but you'd be wrong. It's Buffalo Bills, and it's because Tyler Bass has a cannon for a leg. Mm-hmm. He is so good, and he was a rookie. He outplayed Blankenship, and I tweeted, Georgia Southern is greater than Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, oh Bo- Corey Bohorquez, mm-hmm. wow, his leg is a boomer. Mm-hmm. He bombed some punts. Like there was one game I forget. They were like the Bills had like a bad three and out at like the fifteen, and he got it to the other teams like twenty. It was ridiculous. Like he he flipped the field from a bad position, <laughs> and Andre Roberts was a highlight reel away from one good block. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Isaiah McKenzie is not a bad backup either. <laughs> No, not not at all. He's not a bad backup. Do you know where Bajorquez got his start? No. He was actually in New England. <laughs> they tried to put him they tried to put him on the practice squad with the last cuts of training camp and Buffalo signed him to the uh, season roster and Damn then right. he, he's been the punter there ever since. So, Whoa. yeah. So, you're welcome Buffalo. You're we'll welcome. We'll take it. I know you will. He's got it. it, He's amazing. He is. He's incredible. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm going to, this is going to sound like a Homer pick from me because I just picked them in one category, but it's just how I feel. So eat it. My, (laughs) my special teams unit is the Newton Patriots. The reason I say that is because they had a bunch of all pros. They had an all-pro punter in Jake Bailey. They had a second-team all-pro in coverage, excuse me, in Matthew Slater. Uh, they were just really good. They didn't give up any big special teams plays, which says a lot because teams always give up special teams plays. Like, it's just something that teams, like, they have that one lapse where they let something through. And that doesn't happen in New England. So the fact that their punter, and Nick Folk was really good this year. I think he was, I want to say like 33 of 35 or something on field goals. He was, again, just nice and steady for a team that was not nice and steady for most of the season. So I'm going to include, because I love punk coverage. I think it's an underrated aspect. The Bills, like you talked about, Bohorquez has a leg. If they can't get down there and cover those, it doesn't matter, but they do. So I'm I'm not anti your pick. I think the Bills is a really good selection. but I'm going to go with New England. I just think their special teams is always, usually, I won't say always, usually very strong. And it was strong again this year. 
Well, just point to the Chargers game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, they should get it on just the Chargers game alone. It's like, whoa. Yeah, unsurprisingly, the Chargers did not make our top three on either one of us. I don't believe so. So, no, there's no. there's that. Yeah, no, it's it, that's a good pick. New England... It, you would think Belichick was a special teams coach in his life, but he, yeah, he, his teams always have good special teams. And that's probably how the bill, why the bills are the way they are. That's what Miguel was saying when he was on our pod that the bills have learned under the Patriots. So, and they really have, I mean, Rex Ryan came in and said, I'm not here to kiss anybody's rings and all that, but it was kind of like, well, see what they're doing and learn Mm -hmm. from it. And, McDermott, excuse me, McDermott and them have really taken that to heart and said, okay, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? What do they do well? Okay, they do really strong special teams. Okay, well, if we have shitty special teams, then they're going to beat us in close games. So let's get good at special teams. Mm -hmm. Did you know that McDermott is the first coach since Marv Levy to be, to have made it to year four? Wow. That's That's 95 or 97. 97. Yeah, 97. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't in high school then. <laughs> now oh, I'm married with a seven-year-old. <laughs> I was in high school. <laughs> I was in high school. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on from that. <laughs> All right, so I guess before we move on to our final thoughts, is do you have any bones to pick with my All-Pro selections? No, they're they're good. You know, the Saint, you're right about the Saints. Cleveland, you know, like I said, was number one according to PFF. So they they were my backup. Um, and I understand I love the Minnesota pick, like grading on a curve. Mm-hmm. I I have no qualms with any of them. Okay. You know, I like I said, I I looked at Derrick Henry and was like, about I only get one real good guy. This one I get two. <laughs> <laughs> but that one guy outperformed my two guys. <laughs> Yeah, that, well, that's listen. When you run for two thousand yards, that's going to happen. Uh, I think that's all the football we have. Of course, next week we're going to get into the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll talk about the uniforms. We'll talk about the halftime. We'll talk. We're not going to talk about any of that shit. We're going to talk about the game. Come on, we're going to talk about all that. I don't know. We might talk about the uniforms. Who knows? Um, but as always, we're here for our final thoughts. Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah. I just want okay. people to be careful out there on the investing markets. Um, learning more about what's going on today with the GameStop stock, tongue twister in and of itself. Just <laughs> the, you know, we talked about with Cameron in the group chat. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the guys in Reddit were doing that. And it really is admirable. Basically, they figured out that a hedge fund was banking was gambling that a company would go down in value and so they artificially increased the value of that company by active purchases and trades and everything like that mm-hmm. and they were doing that to have the hedge fund lose money and take destroy those guys because America has a very unregulated financial industry but you know the average joe needs to be careful out there um because that you, there are going to be people that win, but there's also going to be people that lose, and not just the hedge fund, hedge fund managers. There's going to be the people that get in there too late, and they get hurt. And, you know, 
Treat it like gambling. Do not go in with what you can afford to lose. Because there is the potential that you will lose it all. There's always the potential in the market. You need to invest safely. Like gamblers, you're hearing about the wins with the GameStop stock. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee there are more losses out there that you are not hearing about. And those losses could be rent. Those losses could be heat, hydro, tuition. Just be careful and be safe out there. Yep, absolutely true. I I was kind of following it a little bit, and I was kind of like, well, what the hell's going on here? And because I used to work at GameStop, and I know people who are employed at GameStop, so actually our branch around here closed. And then I saw it, and I thought, what is going on? And the more I was reading about it, I'm like, oh man, it's like this doesn't end well. This isn't good. This is like the guys ripping off a casino, and then they get found out in the desert because you never rip off a casino. And it's like, yeah, you're stealing, not stealing. It's like you're basically taking billions of dollars away from people who. Uh, do not take kindly to losing millions of dollars. So yeah, just be careful. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, especially not going to end well. in America. It's the Wild West. Exactly. You, you've you've shot the sheriff. Um, uh, yes, <laughs> the rogue sheriff. Now something might happen. Like, and that's where you see the Robin Hood app going down and not allowing trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it it's crazy. Um. No, I, I agree with you. Just be careful out there. Anytime you invest, let alone with all this going on and all this volatility. Mine, I actually, I have two quick final thoughts. My first one's really quick. You've heard me talk about it before. We have good news today. We got news that the Olympics, the 2020, in quotation, 2021 Olympics in Tokyo are going to happen according to the IOC. They are currently formulating a plan to have the games. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of limitations. They're figuring out testing and all this other stuff. But as somebody who has been a champion for the Olympics on this pod and in real life, I am just very, very happy that the Olympics are going to happen this year. So they finally got my letters. They finally got my emails. They finally (laughs) listened to the pod and they know if they had canceled these Olympics, they had hell to deal with. But moving on to my final, final thought, the great Hank Aaron, the uh, hammer and Hank, the slugger, for the most of his career, Atlanta Braves passed away the other day. Very tragic, obviously. He was 86 years old, so, I mean, it, it, it was only a matter of time. For anybody who is even a little bit of a baseball fan, Hank Aaron is one of the first players that you learn about when you're growing up watching baseball. Uh, Hank Aaron retired before I was born. He actually retired in 1976. He played for the Milwaukee Braves. He only played 85 games that year. That was six years before I was born. I knew who Hank Aaron was before I started kindergarten. Uh, He obviously retired as the all-time home run leader. He's still the all-time record holder in extra base hits, which is insane to think about. That's actually when players hit a lot of doubles, which is one of my favorite plays in all sports is the double in baseball. But just an incredible, not only baseball player, but uh, human rights activist. Just I, I cannot say enough about him. And this final thought isn't just about Hank Aaron, who made 25 All-Star games in 23 seasons. And you ask, well, wait a minute. How the hell did he do that? That's because for a three-year stretch from 1959 to 1961, they actually had two All-Star games. 
So he actually has more all-star game appearances than career seasons. So I love baseball. <laughs> Shit like that. Um, but the reason, obviously, I bring it up is because I am a baseball fan. Hank Aaron is just – he's on the Mount Rushmore of a lot of people's you know, baseball players. Baseball is a dying sport in America and has been for a long time through TV viewership. Now, people still go to the games, obviously not last year, probably not much this year. It's still a great experience at a ballpark. I really encourage anybody, go to a minor league game, go to a professional game, go to you know anything that you can, go and watch it. It really is a beautiful sport. But we have so many of these old players, players like Willie Mays, people like Hank Aaron, and so many more, Sandy Koufax, all these old players I could go on and on and on. And these giants of baseball that are just slowly going away. And I get that. That happens in every sport. But you don't realize baseball was a, was a sport that everybody could consume. If you had a transistor radio, you could listen to a baseball game on AM radio. No matter where you were in the country, you could listen to a baseball game for much of the 20th century. Um, so many great plays People experience those not through TV, but through radio, of hearing the excitement, of hearing the call, of hearing the boos and the cheers and the cracking of the bats and everything. And those announcers sold the game like they were selling their lives. And so many of these players uh, are, are unfortunately in the next couple of years probably going to start leaving us. And, you know, they'll make way to other players. But just uh, a really sad time when Hank Aaron passes away. Obviously, he passed away. But it just made me think of so many players that I just remember hearing stories of. And now we hear stories of, you know, players in the NFL. And there's a few, Jim Brown and Otto Graham and, and players of that. Newt Rockney, you go further back. But baseball to me was the story that when I was young, those were the stories people told. I remember when I got to see Roberto Clemente. I remember when I got to see Jackie Robinson. I remember when I got to see Hank Aaron or Stan Musial or whoever it was. And you know, those players are leaving us, and it's just really sad, and I just wanted to talk about it, because I love baseball, and uh, baseball will always have the iconic heroes in my mind. They are the original Avengers to me. Uh, they will always be Avengers. You can uh, put whoever you want in whatever positions, but um, just incredible, and Hammer and Hank... You know, you, you again, you are a, a, a spirit for the baseball community and the African-American community, and his loss is bigger than I can put into words. Sean, any thoughts? No, that was very well said. You know, Hammer and Hank was an icon, and you learned so. I learned so much about him during the McGuire-Sosa chase because mm-hmm. that's – you know, TSN in Canada kept playing every time with the chase meter watch. They played, told us stuff about Hank Aaron and, you know, honored him as well. Yeah, I, I just, I, I hope to one day pass off to my kids how incredible a player he was and what all he stood for. And his his chase for Babe Ruth's all-time home run record is one that is, American in so many ways, in triumph and victory and stress, but also of racism and bigotry and fear. And you can't have one without the other, unfortunately, for a lot of people. And again, Hank Aaron, along with many other great baseball players, are incredible. And I just, I'm just, I just miss baseball. I miss baseball. 
on that note, this is the Out of Bounds podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, come check us out on all your favorite streaming platforms. Don't forget to come like our Facebook page. Ask us questions. There's an email attached. Private message us. That's Sean Lawler. He's up all hours of the night. I'm Joe. Message me in the morning. I sleep four hours a night. It doesn't matter. I'll get your message. Um, again, come follow us at the Ringer NFL group. We're always posting stuff in there. And be good to each other. And uh, Super Bowl next week. Sean, can't wait to talk about it. We got all kinds of sports going on right now. Basketball, don't forget to check out the Cherry Stripe commentary with Sean right there and Trey Hill and Marcus Wilson talking all things basketball. And check out Sean's podcast, the Angry White Dad podcast. And go back and listen. I was on it once as a little uh, gathering and then ended up two of us. Sean and Marcus just had a very in-depth conversation about uh, race in America from Marcus's perspective and also Sean from afar. So don't forget to go check that out. And again, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks. I'm not sure of the logic, but in the space-time continuum, that that seems to fit. Stupid-ass chaplain. If he does poorly, it's hurrah for us. And then at the end of it, they say, well, you came, so let bygones be bygones, and it's all over. It just, I want to go zero, but I can't say zero. I was a little taken aback by the fact that you said Kirk Cousins was competent. Obviously, Minnesota will frame it at that. Don't even get me started on Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. I do like the thought of him going to Minnesota, but it's just not going to happen. The Minnesota principle, whatever it takes. I was glad to see Coach Rivera get some good news. Our all-pro selections for this year. Quarterback? It's Josh Allen, baby. Josh Allen left it all on the field. Sometimes that was the ball. He brought hope to Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers, who I believe is going to be the league MVP. A running back stable. I went with Cleveland. I thought I had 2,000-yard rushers. That would have been my pick if you hadn't have stole it from me, you snaky <laughs> son of a bitch. You got two guys. And they still didn't equal my guy. It's Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards. Congratulations. Backups for the Titans. Wide receivers slash tight ends. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. You get three of the five fastest guys. The best H-back. Honestly, it was a no-brainer. Mine is the Minnesota Vikings. I grade on a curve. Kirk Cousins was the quarterback. Offensive line? We said we'd get to why Aaron Rodgers was the best QB and potentially MVP. It's his offensive line. The Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield did better this year because he had a cleaner pocket. PFF agrees with you. Oh, well, never mind. I'm changing my vote. The defensive line? I will take the Washington football team. That line was amazing. I don't want to be a copycat. They were unstoppable. You don't think of defense when you think of the Saints. Linebackers? I got to take Tampa Bay. My boy, Shaq Barrett. I had him in a fantasy league last year. Damn right, I got a second fantasy quote there. Ain't you. Mine was also Tampa. Everything you said is correct. Defensive backs, the back seven, as they say. I had to go with Miami almost every game with a takeaway. I'm actually going to select the New England Patriots here. I just think they were really underrated. And then close it off with special teams. It's Buffalo Bills. Tyler Bass has a cannon. Corey Bohorquez, his leg is a boomer. The New England Patriots. They had a bunch of all pros. Well, just points in the Chargers game. <laughs> yeah, they should get it on just the Chargers game alone. It's... I just want people to be careful out there on the investing markets. We have good news today. 2021 Olympics in Tokyo are going to happen. 